Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode seven of Talking Shit About with me, Elizabeth Whipperman, and my dog, Martok, who is chewing cardboard in the background right now. We're going to hear from my friend Cecilia about her experiences at the Pacific Northwest College of Art, as well as her experiences with the failures of security cameras. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to hear the episode with her husband, you can listen to episode three about the Punisher with Thumbs. They are one of Missoula's power couples, absolutely. Anyways, don't forget to subscribe so you can not miss the episodes that come out the first Friday of every month. I really hope you can hear me over this cardboard. Anyways, let's go ahead and talk some shit. Welcome, listeners. I am here today with my friend Cecilia to talk shit on art Howdy. School. Hi, Cece. How are you? I'm good. It's okay. my uh, it's it's my Saturday. It's Sunday, but um, yeah, it's my first day off on my weekend, so feeling good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and thank you for taking the time to do this interview to talk shit on art school. Um, and we'll go ahead and dive into it. Cece, why did you go to art school? Um, well, starting when I was in middle school, um, I actually started painting, um, oil painting, and I just fell in love with, um, with oil painting and creativity. I'd always been kind of creative, but that was really what turned me from just wanting to go to, you know, school eventually to do something in the sciences and went, wow, I really connect with art. Maybe I want to go to art school. And that drove me to go to a different high school than I was supposed to go to. That was much more about art and creative stuff. Um, A lot of their focus was less on like sports and they still had like great math and English program, but they had way more art classes than most of the other high schools in this part of the world, as well as like choir and band and just so many creative um, avenues you could go through. And that just reinforced that I knew I'd always wanted to go to college, but I was like, I want to go to art school. And I had a lot of people, adults, when I say people, I mean adults, tell me, that I shouldn't go to art school. I should go to business school so I could sell my art. And that just sounded terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that sounded soul sucking and awful. And I wanted not to like go learn how to make a living off my art. I wanted to learn more about making art. Like I knew how to oil paint and I could draw really good. Uh, I liked sculpting with like ceramics, but you just get that little intro in all of those high school art classes. And I wanted to like dive with both feet in learning how to 
do things in like all the mediums, how to make different kinds of art. I was very realistic oil painting, Western style stuff. I was like, I want to learn how to make other things. I want to learn how to make a statement and do all this other stuff. So I was like, I got, I have to go to art school for that business school just sounds terrible. So um, I made that decision that I was going to go to art school probably freshman or sophomore year of high school and had already been saving up to go to college. Um, and then, of course, right around that junior year area where you start looking at actual schools and they start sending you all those pamphlets and stuff about like come to our school we have a great art program don't you want to come here and yeah you start looking through all that and they're they're very good at making themselves sound like like the dream like oh look at this kind of community of artists that we've created don't you want to come be here and oh we have this great professionals program to uh prepare you for going out there and making art uh, and making a living off of it and doing like doing these incredible things with your art and they all have this idyllic sound to them in these little pamphlets sometimes they send you a little book of the art that the professors there make or that students have made uh to really just make you look at it and go oh wow that is so cool i want to make that or um you know, be that productive. And so, you know, then you start looking at all this and you're like, oh, which one sounds the coolest? Which one sounds like the best? And you start applying for the ones that sound really cool, or maybe you like the city that they're in. So you start applying for, for those schools. And what they, what ends up happening, I, I found was they look at your, you know, usually your application has a lot to do with your portfolio of art you've already been making in high school. And they look at that and they send you back an acceptance letter and a scholarship. And uh, at the time I thought, you know, when I was, I was a senior at this point, kind of beginning of spring semester and got an acceptance letter from my top pick which was Pacific Northwest College of Art in Portland, Oregon. And I thought I was special getting this not only acceptance letter, but a $20,000 scholarship. Mm. And it was based on portfolio. This particular scholarship was, oh, we looked at your art portfolio and the pieces you submitted and we thought you worthy of this $20,000 scholarship. I was very excited. Now that 20,000 was split over the four year period. So you only got 5,000 a year um, to use. And their tuition at that time was 22,000 a year. Mm. But I didn't matter, private art school. So oh, okay. in-state, out-of-state didn't matter. Um, I could have lived in Portland my whole life and still paid 22 grand a year. Gotcha. But they had um, this deal where, you know, whatever tuition you paid freshman year was what you would pay all four years. So if tuitions went up, you would still only be 
you know, locked into that like 22,000. So I was like, okay, that gives me like a goal budgeting wise about how much money I need to be saving. Um, obviously at that point, like I was just starting to like fill out FAFSA and, you know, figure out how many grants and things I was getting. At this point, I was also applying for all kinds of scholarships and I was an AP student. So I was taking college level classes and trying to study for exams and putting in for all these scholarships and I wasn't getting anything like I was just you know I got some grants through FAFSA but I wasn't getting you know all these scholarships for all these essays I was writing and stuff it was just this one scholarship and that really that really swayed me I really thought like oh I have to go to the school they gave me a scholarship and I was very excited to go uh, and so I told my parents, I like showed my parents this and they were, they were really sad. And I didn't understand at the time why they were so sad. Well, I mean, my, this is the, this was 2008. Well, no, this was early 2009. And, uh, at that point, my, the company my dad worked for had declared bankruptcy and he hadn't been laid off yet. That would happen a year later, but he, in the process of them declaring bankruptcy, lost most of his retirement. So financially, they were feeling very vulnerable. And as an only kid, they were also really, um, <laughs> they were also just really sad at the idea of me going two states away to go to school. Like they really were wanted me to stick around um, where it was, you know, not the scary big city. 630 miles away from home <laughs> so that just in a lot of ways made me even more determined um not that I was a rebellious kid but just when whenever somebody would say oh you can't because you're you know not good enough or or it's just not possible for whatever reason just being told that I couldn't do that made me more determined to prove that I could. And so I was set that I was going to do this. Um, and even though like my parents were really sad about it, they were still supportive of what I wanted to do. So my dad and I went over and visited uh, the school while I was still a senior in high school and did a tour. And when you show up uh, at PNCA to do a tour, they have their recruitment officer come out and give you a tour and take you around to classes and uh, classrooms and studios and kind of show you what their facility looks like um, and even take you down the, at the time down the street where the senior studios were, where the seniors were uh, had their own individual studios and were working on their thesis projects. They talk about what where the student housing was and what their deal was with that um and just really talk up like what was available and when you'd ask questions like for me I'd ask well how do you prepare your students for being professional artists after school and part of you know I had obviously turned my nose up at the idea of business school but I really thought art was what I was going to do for the rest of my life and when your dad is standing there 
<laughs> wanting you to have a good future. You, that's the kind of question you ask because you want to assure your parent that you're making the right decision and that you're, you know, securing a good future for yourself by making this really big decision. And they assured you, oh, yes, your senior year, you have this uh, professional practices course. It's literally called professional practices where we'll teach you how to, you know, when you're done, when you're done with school and you graduate, you can go out there in the real world and be like a real practicing artist making a living off of your art. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Well, I can tell you right off the bat, knowing what I know now, that the recruitment officer does not spend much time at the school that they are recruiting for. Like, they barely know their way around. I mean, they know their way around the facility well enough to like show you where things are, but like nobody who's at that school, including a lot of the professors, even know who the hell that person is when they knock on their um, classroom door to like kind of, you know, make sure that there's no like live model or something while they're bringing around these <laughs> people <laughs> who aren't actually like enrolled in the school yet walking around like nobody knows who the fuck this recruitment officer is he's usually touring around the u.s going to high schools and telling people how awesome the school is that he really they don't know that much about what it is like to be there um they're very culturally disconnected they're basically a car salesman for art school and it's real easy when you're 18 and you've got big dreams to get sucked into that especially when you're walking through the halls and it just feels very freeing. You know, people have their art on display. It's, it sucks you in. And that really isn't what it's like once you're actually there. I mean, there it is to a degree, but yeah, it, that, that feeling when you're an outsider and you're looking in, it's very different from the reality but that just made me all the more eager to go there. But also, they, they don't give you an opportunity to talk to the students. There's no way for you to speak to someone who's already going there and say, what do you think of your experience here? Is this really like how it is? Is this really what you wanted? The first opportunity I had to talk to a student going to my school was orientation. I had already paid my bill for my first semester and was living, had already made the move 638 miles and was locked in. Classes were starting in like three days and there was orientation. And that was the first time I got to like sit down with students who were juniors and seniors and say, what do you think of that professional practices class? And what do you like which uh major do you like are you in and what major do you think would be best for me given the kinds of things I want to make and by the time you're a junior and a senior you're a lot more jaded <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you're a little more down to earth about it and you're also just exhausted from the constant work of arts well and you've invested a lot of time and money in being there and they're a little more honest about, oh, that professional practice class is a joke. Well, what have you learned about how you're going to make art when you get out of here? And, 
and they're very honest about they haven't taught us a thing about it yet none of that has happened and you're not going to get that like they're very brutal they're a lot more honest about the fact that you're not going to get those things and you know when you're 18 and classes are starting in three days you're willing to ignore that a little bit or you kind of have to at that point you're locked in and so it's a little shocking and overwhelming and you're like oh man all right well I'm you know maybe you know they still have a year or two left in schooling maybe it really is just like the final step before you graduate that they teach you what you're going to do when you're done and this school by the way was 100 years old this is not like some new pop-up you know ponzi scheme kind of place this was you know it wasn't i wasn't going to the kind of prestigious art school that everyone knows the the name of oh RISD or um you know something like that but it was still a school that had been there for a long time at an accredited school and the fact that like there were in my opinion very blatant problems with how things were um presented versus the reality you know did you live uh, on campus no so at, at this time they the setup was they had one big main building um in downtown portland and across the street was um i guess you might kind of call it an annex where there was um, more of the sculpture type stuff and then down the street a couple blocks was um, uh, a building with all of the kind of private-ish art studios for just juniors and seniors, um, which was extra money, by the way. You didn't get to have, I didn't get to have one of those when I was a senior because I didn't have another, you know, that was another monthly rent, like <laughs> several hundred dollars to rent. Yeah. We're talking like a 10 by 10 studio space like I didn't have that kind of money because I was paying tuition and uh then they had student housing was another couple miles away Ooh. it was still downtown but it was in an apartment complex that was all student housing not just their students but um some of the other um Portland has a lot of schools small and a lot of them are like small private schools um and it was called um, Goose Hollow. And I didn't live there because once again, I couldn't afford it. You were in downtown Portland and it was student housing, but that meant sharing apartment. And if you were rich enough, you could share a two bedroom with one other person. So you got your own room. But most students weren't, I shouldn't say most, but you know, a lot of students couldn't afford that um cost but uh so the majority were sharing a two-bedroom apartment with three other students so you each had like two students in a bedroom and that was at that time and we we're talking uh over 10 years ago that was still seven to eight hundred dollars a month Whew. to share a bedroom and so even so that was outrageous uh even to me that's outrageous now i know some people who are listening probably live where it's a lot worse but we're talking you know we're talking that at this point it was 2010 because um i couldn't afford to go my first year 
uh, because of my dad's uh, situation. And I didn't have quite enough money saved up at that point. And, and what ended up happening to further enforce me going there eventually, you know, I think a lot of people thought, oh, if you don't go there your freshman year, you're not, not going to, you're not going to go there. You're going to, you know, drop out or you're going to stick with whatever school you go to. So I went to our local public school, um, University of Montana for my first year and how PNCA further kind of got their claws in me to get me to go there even more is they upped that scholarship. So it had been 20,000 when I was a senior in high school and I didn't end up enrolling in their school. So they sent me a new scholarship for 36,000. And that was still uh, split over the four years. But like, that's a significant increase still. That's $16,000 more (laughs) than what they originally offered me. And that made me even more like, oh man, they must really want me to come here because I'm talented. That's gotta be what it, you know, it, it has nothing to do with, they just really need students to enroll so they can make money. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I must be really special that they up the scholarship. Uh, but they also up their tuition. Mm. They up that scholarship to 36,000, but their tuition, I think went up to 28, I believe for that year. So that is a $6,000 increase in that yearly tuition at the same time. But I still went and yeah, I, I couldn't afford the student housing. Now they, much like um, a lot of schools, if you're a freshman, they require you to live in student housing if you're not living with a parent. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't afford that. And luckily, because I was technically a sophomore by the time I was going there, after having done a year at UM, I was allowed to go find an apartment on my own. Initially, I actually lived with a great aunt and uncle that I had only met one other time. But they felt like they felt I was rude because I spent most of my time in my room studying and working on my artwork because I was a very academic and determined student so they kicked me out after like a month so then I was homeless at the beginning of my semester uh which is how I met uh one of my dear friends still to this day uh my roommate Bridget who was also a student at PNCA Bridget was also in her freshman year and she would enrolled in the painting major. And um, I had decided not to enter into painting as my major because I had already been oil painting at that point for I think six or seven years and was pretty good. I was already um, making money on commissions and selling prints and, and stuff for my artwork. And I just felt like I didn't need to enter into a program that was going to teach me more of what I already knew or not teach me anything. And then it would just be me skating through what I didn't want either. I wanted to learn new stuff, which a lot of people thought I was crazy. They were like, wow, you're an amazing oil painter. Why are you not a painting major? Why? I didn't take a single painting class um, while I was there. Um, And I'm really glad that I made that decision because Bridget didn't learn how to paint while she she was a painting major. 
she was in an oil painting class, which was my specialty and was having, was really struggling with the medium. She asked the professor like how to, how to make, you know, something work, how to, how to use the, basically how to use the paint how to use the brushes. And he said, mm-hmm. your guess is as good as mine. <sighs> if you're paying, <laughs> if you're paying $22,000 cause she was locked in at that for someone to teach you. And they tell you that, you know, as much as they do, you're not paying for an education at that point. Like that's, <laughs> Yeah, I want that guy's job. (laughs) Like, what are you paying for? And I was mind blown when she came home to our very shitty apartment. Boy, did we have a a shithole. She's struggling to to get her painting done for her class because the teacher won't even, can't, not even won't, I feel like, but just can't even show her what, what to do. And I'm busy with, you know, I was taking six classes a semester because uh, I was trying to get through school as fast as possible to save money. So I was taking 18 credits and I was like, I don't have time to teach you either. I also was working two jobs. Um, I had a work study job at the school's library as well as working fast food and trying to save up money for the next semester as well as pay outrageous rents. So she and I lived in the cheapest, shittiest apartment we could find. There was no, for the first month, there was no running water because when we first turned on the water there, it was just rust colored. It was so, it was gross. And the landlord came and said, oh, it, it's the hot water heater is all um, rusted out. We'll, we'll replace it. And so the water was turned off while they were doing that. And it took them a lot longer than it should have. And then after they replaced it, they never turned it up or on or something. We never had hot water the entire time we lived there. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, How much were you guys And paying? then the. At, for that little place, it was, I think, 550 a month. Mm-hmm. So it was cheap. But we lived on uh, 96. No it was 91 blocks 91 blocks from our school um so it was a long commute it was an hour bus um to school and the buses are free in portland no that's more money yeah exactly well it was too expensive to to drive and park there because parking was a dollar an hour if you're in class all day that adds up Mm -hmm. uh to park at the school where I think it had gone, I think it was more than a dollar an hour. It was like a dollar fifty or something. So that wasn't, you know, affordable either, because then you're paying gas and parking. <laughs> so parking could be very expensive. So a lot of times you were busing. And at that point, uh, the bus pass was um, I think it was a hundred bucks a month or ninety something a month. And then I if you were a student, you got a discount for getting in the student bus pass. So I think I paid uh, 360 to 380, I wanna say, for a semester long bus pass. So not even a full six months. And that's on top of, that's on top of, like I said, rent, tuition, um, 
they also have, you know, other fees and, you know, you know, it's college. So they've got, oh, your facility use fee, your, you know, because you're using the computer lab. I don't know, like <laughs> it quickly, you know, the 28 tuition doesn't include whatever the other two to four grand of fees and supplies. Yeah. That they want you to, yeah, and you got to pay for all your own art supplies. Mm -hmm. You know, you got the facility, but you still have to, if you're taking a printmaking class, you still have to pay for your plates, for your tools. Um, you don't have to pay for the ink necessarily um, if you're using whatever crappy student ink is available. But you, if you want, you know, a specific color or something, you're going to have to go pay for that. You know, that there's a lot every semester that you're going to have to go buy plus textbooks you you're in art school but there's still textbooks to go buy and you're very unlikely to be able to resell those it really adds up really quickly to thousands of dollars beyond the tuition and trying to survive at the same time it's a lot and they do not have uh, an extensive student support program. They have a limited amount of support, but like I got really sick um, my first semester and this was when we had no running water. So I couldn't even take a shower at home. And I had this nasty, <laughs> keep in mind, this is 12 years before this pandemic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not quite 12 years maybe but a very nasty cough and was just miserable and was showing up to school and I was in my welding class and was just miserable coughing uh, having a hard time getting getting my project done and for a welding class you know you're not going to take your project home and work on it so much you're pretty much you got to be there where the welder and the plasma cutter and the grinder like you're not grinding steel in your apartment or <laughs> welding on it so you know you're there if you want to get your shit done and i'm there but i'm just miserable and the professor kicked me out of class he said you're sick you need to get out of here and why are you even here and he said well i have to be here and and he's just grilling me for, you know, the state that I'm in. And I'm like, I don't even have a place to shower, dude. Like, cause he's like, well, you're, you need to go home take a hot shower and like eat some soup. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't have heat in my apartment. Cause our heaters were so out of code. We refused to turn them on. Mm -hmm. And this is November. So I don't have, I don't even have running water to take a shower, like get off my back. And he kicked me out, sent me down the street to a first care. And then uh, he said, you need to go talk to student services about like, you know, getting a shower and stuff. So I go to student services and the best that they offered me was they opened the, uh, I didn't have a key to get into the senior studios down the street. Mm -hmm. Um, but they said, okay, we'll open that for you and you can go in and use, there's a shower in there. Well, the shower that was in there was for the students to use to rinse out um, their art supplies and stuff. So you go in there and it's a shower, sure, but it's caked in like oil paint and 
solvents and like like basically it's been being used as a spray booth it's not like a shower for humans to use and they're like here you go get a shower just <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> like there's not even like a curtain or a door on it. Like it's literally being used as a facility for art making. Like that was what I was offered as my as my help. And then later on, um at the end of the semester, so about a month, month and a half after this, I was still suffering with um this cough and it had just gotten worse. And it was uh, finals week. All of the worst things to happen to me in my life happened during every finals week while I was at art school, by the Mm -hmm. way. (laughs) Starting with my first semester, when I got, I got really sick and I was trying to finish an animation project at school and campus was open till 1 a.m. And I, of course, could work on an animation project at home. I had to be at the school because I didn't have the the facility at home to make my animation. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the studio until the, the closing time when they kick you off campus at 1 a.m. trying to finish up my final project for the next morning. And this cough has just wrecked my ribs at this point and I'm starting to feel even worse and I end up um puking in the bathroom and the my right side is just in agony and my roommate and I my roommate's also there trying desperately to finish art for finals week the next morning and we go home and I'm like I just like I'm dying and I managed to before we left the facility like quick render my animation and email it off to the professor it was due to the next day but I didn't even have time to check if it was okay like I'm just like you know I'm sick I'm dying like (laughs) and my roommate and I are sitting at home just exhausted I said like I feel really bad and my right side of my body hurts right where my appendix might be I think I need to go to the doctor like I need to make sure I don't have appendicitis mm-hmm. and she doesn't have a vehicle she'd never driven a vehicle but uh she's like okay let's go get on the bus and we'll go to the hospital like I'll take you to the hospital and we get there and this is a big this is a big hospital in Portland and the waiting room is, has like 35 people in it. Um, but of course, let me tell you, here's, here's, here's a hot tip. You puke in a waiting room, you move to the front of the line. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they get you out of there real fast. <laughs> um, so they heard me, uh, me into a little into the next room before they take you into basically ER that's like the last time I see my roommate for like three days oh, shit. And, and they they took me in there and I didn't get to come out and after they did eight thousand dollars of tests on me decided that all that was really wrong was whatever 
virus was causing me to have this cough had caused me to cough so hard that I had broken the cartilage on my ribs on the right side of my body. And that was why I was in such pain, but they couldn't find anything more wrong with me. And I mean, I was kept in an emergency room in uh, the hospital for, like I said, two or three days. So I missed three of my six finals. And I had, like I said, I had emailed off my final project for, for the animation the night before. I also had finished my welding project and was in the studio. So it was done and it was turned in. But that particular professor had a uh, policy that if you didn't show up for your final, he would mm -hmm. fail you no matter how well you had done up until that point. If you had turned in every project on an A in every project, which I had, he would fail you for missing the final. They wouldn't let me out of the hospital. In fact, at that point, they didn't know what I had and they thought I might be contagious. So um, those of you who have had the COVID test where they uh, take a sinus culture and they put the swab up your nose, clear up into your sinuses above your eyeballs. I had to have that. They gave that test to me while wearing a hazmat suit because they didn't know what <laughs> was wrong with me. And they fucked up the first one. So they did it to me a second time. And it was, it was awful. Oh, God. <laughs> but they literally like had me quarantined in the hospital. And he tried to fail me for not being at his final and my project is sitting there on the table with all the other students but I wasn't there for a critique um finals in arts a lot of times your final critique where everybody looks at your stuff and either doesn't say anything because nobody has anything to contribute or they just shit all over it like there's <laughs> there's very rarely a constructive criticism it's it's just a lot of either silence or somebody trying to make up something to say and it usually is just bullshit because they're trying to pass the class or they just hate it or you know there's just critiques are a shit show I was in maybe one or two that were fun and constructive and you got something out of but 90% of them are just god awful <laughs> and I wasn't there so he tried to fail me um it turned out my animation the rendering went badly mm. uh and they got about 15 seconds of motion animation and then it was just a frozen just frozen on the last frame for two minutes no. <laughs> and so it was just a mess which luckily those two pro the the professors I had animation stuff for um were very understanding and they let me do makeup work after the semester um and I was able to pass both those classes the other one that was a fight I mean I had to be like dude I was in the hospital you can't you cannot fail me for not being there like I realize you have a strict policy but unless you were going to bring the class to my hospital bed, I wasn't going to make it there. Like, And he was the same one that told you to get out of his class when you were yes. sick, right? Yeah. Oh my God. This was the same professor who literally kicked me out of his class one day. 
so I, I argue, like I, I, you know, I look, I, if you need proof that I was in the hospital, like I have an $8,000 bill to prove where the fuck I was and why I couldn't be in your class. And he compromised by giving me a um, C, which was like a C minus was not considered passing at this art school, by the way, you had to get at least a C. And so he gave me the minimum passing grade. I had had an A in his class. And so he was like, gave me a C. Oh my God, um, he's so mad. <laughs> yeah, just, just fuck, fuck that guy. Like no empathy whatsoever. No, no, absolutely none. And just, yeah. And then, oh, and then he also had a rule that you had to have all your projects out of there by the end of the day that Friday before semester ended, or they would be thrown away. Mm-hmm. So I had to beg someone um, to get my projects mm-hmm. so that they wouldn't be thrown in the trash. You know, the welding projects I had done all semester yeah. were sitting in there. So somebody had to get those for me because I was still in the hospital. That was one of the worst weeks of my life. And um, that was your first semester? That was my first semester of Fuck. art school. <laughs> Unrelated to art school. That was also the week um, we got, um, I would say, robbed at gunpoint. But I know he didn't actually have a gun um, at one of my jobs. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was the same. That was literally the day before I went to the hospital. Um, I was at work and someone showed up and threatened that he had a gun and I needed to empty the till. And as, as, as a chick from Montana <laughs> who hunts and has grown up around guns i guarantee you that man did not have a gun in his pocket um (laughs) but wasn't my money and i was more than happy to open the till and hand over the measly 200 dollars that was in it um he didn't take my tips by the way so um you know i still got paid but i had to uh you know talk to the police and deal with a very angry boss and yeah that was still a crap (laughs) a crap situation although I will say the the benefit of having gone through that scenario is every time I've had a job interview since then and they ask me what I would do under pressure I can just tell the story of being robbed at gunpoint um (laughs) and how I handled the situation and it's guaranteed to open every interviewer's eyes and they go oh yeah I think you're probably (laughs) a capable person (laughs) under pressure so so there you go (laughs) at that job they didn't like tell you what to do beforehand in the event of a robbery no as a matter of fact you thought you should do (laughs) as a matter of fact um one of the things my boss was upset about when they got there was um why didn't i press the panic button um i literally had been at this job almost six months at this point and no one had once shown me where the panic button was or even told me what a panic button was Hmm. and i'm 19 um (laughs) you know i've had a couple jobs but not you know enough where i would just have enough worldly knowledge to ask that question of an employer um and we're from montana not portland like 
yeah, we don't have panic buttons here. Yeah. More likely um, to have like a shotgun under the counter than like a panic button. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, what's a panic button? So then she's upset that I didn't know about all this. Well, meanwhile, the cops are grilling her because, and she's a horde boss, by the way, they're grilling her because when she shows up and they're asking questions, she goes, oh, well, we have security cameras. So let's go like look at the security camera footage. Well, they didn't have a single image of the person who robbed us because all of her security cameras were pointed at the till at me (laughs) because she had so many employees who had robbed her in the past that she turned all of her cameras that same direction (laughs) and the and the police officer was like ma'am this is the most useless security camera footage we've ever had we could just see her opening the till and just handing money over and we don't have a single shot of the suspect (laughs) so that person was never caught as far as i know um but that's fine i i my interaction with him tells me that with it being close to Christmas and given how terrified he clearly was to be robbing a place, um, that that man just really desperately needed money. And he just chose a very, uh, a very empty till to rob, but you know, (laughs) whatever, dude. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that was, that was my first semester. uh, And then before the next semester even started, Bridget and I lost our apartment. Um, we, you know, we were running from a slumlord. Obviously, if you can't tell from us not having heat or water or hot water or, um, you know, basic, basic living necessities. We had a roof over our head and that's, a, that's about it. I mean, uh, the landlord, it turned out, had a reputation for this, we found out later. But the apartment next to ours caught fire. When I say caught fire, I mean, it ended up literally exploding. And we, uh, we didn't really lose too many belongings. We lost a few belongings, but it, we, it was mostly smoke damage and damage from the firefighters busting into our apartment to fight the fire that was mostly up in the attic at that point. But yeah, we lost our apartment. Um, our apartment burnt down. <laughs> caught fire exploded I don't know (laughs) um that was about a week before the second semester started so I spent my first um month of the second semester homeless we had moved our belongings into her parents garage and I we would either sleep on whatever couch was available or I would sleep in my car which was geo metro and this is January uh so it was a great way to start um, second semester. That was the first time, well, I guess kind of the second time I didn't have a place really to live um, in that first year of being in art school, but um, it was not the last time. <laughs> so the second semester uh, didn't have as much tragedy. I was once again sick finals week um I had that same thing happen to me when I was in college like every I think it's the stress yeah it lowers your immune system Mm -hmm. it does the stress absolutely wrecks your immune system and and yeah I I know that I ended up sick every single semester more on I guess just like learning 
why I think art school is a trap and a shit show. Uh, (laughs) For second semester, during that time, obviously I was finding out more about just how shitty professors could be. There are some amazing professors at art school. They are fantastic. They appreciate that they have a wide variety of creative students under their care and they help the student get where they want to go instead of trying to cookie cutter them to make the same art that they make. And they just teach you how to use the materials. Those professors tend to be in the sculpture department because they don't want you going in to use the sculpture facility and cutting your arm off on the bandsaw or um, one girl uh, got a um, blade shoved through her hand because she didn't use the wood lathe correctly or you know um, exploding something in the kiln or trying to pour plaster down the drain and you know clogging all of the plumbing (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) the professors and studio aides in those in sculpture department tend to be pretty good because they don't want you to fuck shit up (laughs) unlike that painting professor in Bridget's (laughs) painting major who just didn't give a fuck that would be like like, yeah if you were in an animation class and you're like how do I use this program how do I open this file and they'd be like figure it out be like what the like no it's yeah that's insane to me right handle that (laughs) yeah like it just yeah so so the professor's that I fell in love with and miss the part of art school I miss are these particular professors and spending time listening to their stories and and getting advice from them and their guidance and one of those ended up being my thesis mentor later on that was Frank uh fantastic guy um very laid back he made a lot of ukuleles he taught everyone, he'd teach anyone how to make a ukulele out of a cigar box. He, he was missing half of his hand um, from a saw. And a lot of terrified freshmen assumed as he was teaching them how to correctly use the equipment in the wood shop. And they're watching him, you know, <laughs> tell people not to, you know, hurt themselves on the saw. And they're watching him with his half a hand. <laughs> <laughs> and he assures them that he didn't lose it on that bandsaw. <laughs> that was, you know, that was great. That was amazing. That was the kind of class that, like, I thrived in. But for every one of those professors, you had about four that just didn't care. Either because they were also under a lot of stress and pressure. And uh, some of my professors worked at three different colleges. They didn't have a full-time gig at any college. So they would teach one or two classes at PNCA and then go teach one or two classes at the community college and then maybe teach a class at Reed or one of the other private schools. So they had a very full busy schedule and half of that schedule was running around Portland (laughs) just getting to all the different classes they had to teach at all these different schools. Plus they were trying to, you know, make a living off of their art at the same time your te- your professors who were in that boat were stressed out and they just didn't have time to care it's not that they weren't caring people they were just 
as stressed out as their students. And then you have the long-term tenured professors who had a very particular idea of what art was. Mm -hmm. And most of them didn't know how to use the mediums, but they could look at your art, tell you you were shit and throw some kind of esoteric art theory jargon at it and and then give you a shitty grade because they didn't like your style and meanwhile some other student who literally forgot to do their fucking homework and threw you know found a tire on the side of the road and threw a nail through it and put it against the wall they'd give them an a they would love it they would you know They'd be like, oh, yes, because the student would talk about whatever art theory that professor had been rambling on about the, the week before. And so they'd be like, oh, here's how it relates to that bullshit you were talking about last week. And the professor's like, oh, yes, you know, basically just just like perpetuating their own masturbation about like their ideas about art. And it was really, really frustrating because, you know, if you happen to have the same kind of style as that professor, you were set. You could, you know, you could fucking murder their mom and they were still going to give you an A. But if you got into somebody's class who they're, they only gave a shit about, um, you know, whoever's fucking theory they had attached themselves to, you were only passing if you managed to get every single piece done and show up for every single class because the moment they had a reason to give you a failing grade they were going to if you were like me and a lot of your um art style is based on realism and doesn't matter what your piece is about um because I did plenty of pieces that weren't just oh this looks pretty this is you know most of my art school stuff wasn't here is a beautiful landscape with a moose in it which is what I was selling um that's what people wanted to buy but it's not what art school wants to see but I would still, my work's meticulous. Even if I'm not doing realism, I do a lot of very fine lines and meticulous um, attention to detail. And there was a lot of professors who would see me bring that in and they would tell me how much they hated it. <laughs> like, like not, not like whatever I was trying to portray in the piece, um, but they would be like, oh, this is more craft than art. Or, <laughs> oh, this is... It, here here one professor told me oh well that's more like illustration than art and I'm like you have an illustration major at the school there are students sitting next to me who are illustration majors I'm sorry what the is, fuck illust did you do? is illustrating not art I'm sitting here as an illustrator and I'm very confused about what I've been doing this whole time <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> but being told like oh the um the detail in your art is distracting from the meaning or I had one teacher who um I, I really liked drawing on uh, vellum or um, or my favorite thing to draw on for a while was mylar, which is like a clear vinyl. And I, I would draw on the matte finish. And I had this one piece that I did where I did that. And the professor, um, you know, it was meant to be seen from one side and like, you know, have the thing show through. He flipped my art upside down. He flipped it over and he said, now this side could be in a gallery. <laughs> is the fucking backside which is just like was nothing like it's just you know okay well you know fuck you I mean like I said there was 
there was a few critiques that were like constructive and like, oh, I see how I can use what you just told me to improve my next piece. Um, but a lot of it was just being told that, that they didn't like it, that they didn't like whatever my signature style was. That's why you go to art school is to have someone help you, like teach you how to do things differently, make, force you out of your comfort zone so you learn how to do things. Okay, and I have, sorry, I was just, I'm, this is getting me like so mad. I can't imagine like being in those classes, but like I have this suspicion and like you've been to art school, so like maybe you know more than I do, but I feel like the people who say they don't like realism in art or like detail and stuff are usually people that can't draw. <laughs> like see and that was exactly that was exactly kind of my feeling with a lot of these professors because here's the thing a lot of the ones who were saying that to me were the same ones who were saying to students who would ask them how do I use this medium how do I take this medium I've never used before here's I have an image of what I want to do in my in my mind but I don't know how to make the medium do that and the professor would say well your guess is as good as mine they're the same ones who absolutely hate when you show up with a well-crafted piece and it didn't matter if it was me or some other student who was very good in whatever medium they were working in if you showed knowing how to use the medium they considered it craft and not art which also is bullshit to me of course craft is art Arts um, and crafts. <laughs> Yeah, things that are craft are still art, and and art requires craftsmanship. Like, <laughs> I just, uh, and there, there was, there was a lot of that at art school. For me, I think putting meaning into art is very honorable, and I think using your art to send a message, whether that's, um, you know, maybe we shouldn't fuck up our planet, uh, <laughs> or, you know, war is pretty stupid or, you know, stuff like that. That is great. That is honorable. That is, that is using your skills to send a message and help try and change the world. Um, but I also think that there is value in art that is just made to help people feel good or maybe make them, you know, question things about themselves or even just to like convey uh your own emotions about something and help the artist like work through what's going on in their life I think those are all um completely valid ways of using art or to have something artistic and beautiful in something that's utilitarian I mean that's a lot of what you know crafting is is you know you make a beautiful you know piece of clothing or basket or bowl whatever it is and it's beautiful to look at and you enjoy seeing it but it's you know it's well crafted it doesn't have to have a deeper meaning <laughs> your 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 beautiful well-crafted bowl can be an artistic piece a beautiful artistic wonder to look at and not be trying to push push people in a certain way but art school does not feel that way a lot of times and part of that is probably has to do with what is relevant at the time you know there were times you know 100 plus years ago probably close to 150 these days 
Um, I keep forgetting that time is passing and <laughs> it, does, it just keeps going. It just keeps going where what they were teaching was, you know, only realism. You got to paint this realistically. If you can't paint this to look exactly like whatever thing you're looking at and copying, then you're not a good artist. And I don't think that's good either. Like, I don't think that's really, we're not, we're not there anymore, but to completely shun that, is ridiculous <laughs> so to completely just pretend that none of that's art now if you're making it today that's not art anymore that's bullshit like who the fuck do you think you are to tell someone that that isn't art especially when every single day at art school you debate what is art nobody has the answer to that question it is just a debate that you engage in every single day at art school and everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an asshole. Everybody has an opinion. And at art school, everybody is an asshole because <laughs> having a big ego to voice that opinion is the only thing that gets you through. Because if you're too quiet about it, you just kind of fall behind. Like it's really hard to be, I, you know, I was always a very quiet, reserved person. And it's really hard to survive that big ego atmosphere if you're a quiet person. Because they just, oh, you're not participating in critiques. You're not, you know, telling your fellow art students that their art looks like shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or making up some bullshit, like, oh, I don't know what to say about this piece because I don't understand what they're trying to do with it. So I'm just going to pick out a line and be like, I really like what you did with that there line. <laughs> great choice it uh really makes the piece flow like I, <laughs> like it's just anyways uh the end of my second semester approached at art school and during this time my dad officially fully lost his or my dad had officially fully lost his job the year before um he got laid off and we he had lost two-thirds of his retirement he lost his job and um we didn't know what was going to happen so he cashed out most of what was left of his retirement which was considered an early withdrawal and he used that money to pay off um the house to pay off the mortgage so we would have a place to live no matter what happened because that was an early withdrawal that was considered, and that was a lot of money, that was considered his income for, for the year and the taxes and all of that. So when I did my FAFSA, because I was still considered their dependent, uh, that made our income look so high that I lost all, all of my grants. I lost my Pell Grant. Um, I lost my student um, work, work study, um, funding. I basically lost all but one small grant and my scholarship that was based on my portfolio. It also reduced how much I could take in student loans. Um, because I lost all of that aid money, I looked at how much, how little I had managed to save up from my shitty jobs and my 
barely, you know, for my dumpster diving for food scraps and paying a um, rent, which at that point, um, we had, Bridget and I had gotten another roommate and we were renting a two bedroom. Um, I was still um, sleeping in the living room. I, we just hung up a bed sheet we just tacked it to the ceiling and um, we had lost the futon in the fire of our last apartment. So um, we just got a little rollout mattress from the Ikea my um, roommate worked at. And so I just slept on a mattress um, on the floor of the living room that was just behind a um, curtain, basically. Um, <laughs> that was my, that was my room that semester. Uh, um, I was, we, I think I was paying almost 300 um, a month rent, which doesn't sound like very much these days, but when you're living in those conditions, um, I think my income was only $800 a month. Um, it was less than $1,000 a month income. So I didn't manage to save up very much money for the next semester of mm -hmm. art school, obviously. And I lost all my financial aid or the majority of it. So I went to the financial aid officer at school and I said, what can I do to come here next semester? What do I, what do I have to do to get more financial aid? I said, I've been applying for scholarships this whole time. Nothing's panned out. It doesn't make sense to me that I lost all of this aid. My parents are um, not really paying my tuition. They were helping a little bit, but I was paying the majority of it because um, they didn't have the money either. And I said, can I, and she says, well, you can't get more aid because you are a dependent. You would have to be considered an independent to um, get your aid back, um, to not be considered under this income that um, your parents had. And I said, okay, well, what do I do to be considered an independent? Because I am, I'm, you know, I'm paying my own everything. They're not paying for this. And she said, well, the only way um, an undergrad at your age could be considered independent is if you get married, have a baby, or your parents both die. And I was already very upset in her office. And if that didn't fully bring me to tears, like, and she said this very harshly and with a straight, like, there was no like, oh, I'm so sorry, honey. This is like, I'm like, this isn't me. This is just how, it, like, this is mm -hmm. just blatant straight face just like well you're here's the facts your parents could die or like go get married or have a baby like who tells a 19 year old undergrad yeah to go and have i'm pretty a baby? sure that's just like not correct also <laughs> like or or well your parents could die like wouldn't that be fortunate for you like <laughs> Yeah. And it literally, you know, in my in my feeling like a crazy person at the time, because I just wanted to make I was so determined. I was so determined that I was going. I didn't even care what happened after art school. I'm going to make that very clear that I had no plans for what life would be after art school because I was just focused on being there and getting through art school. I just wanted that so badly that I didn't even consider that there would be a day when I wasn't at art school anymore. I was just like, I'm totally heartbroken. And <laughs> like, it's like, there's, I can't, 
for the next semester and the only way I can afford it is for these incredibly like either irresponsible life changes like I'm just gonna find some random person and marry them like you know or I'm gonna have a baby like that doesn't seem like (laughs) that doesn't seem like a good way to to get through art school just I was just like uh, incredibly heartbroken and there was zero sympathy from this financial aid officer zero sympathy like she like passed me a box of kleenexes and was basically like when you're done crying like get out of my office basically i couldn't go to school the next semester because i didn't have the money what i figured out on my own not from financial aid uh is that if you skip fall semester your financial aid for the year is consolidated into the spring semester if you end up going the spring semester. Mm-hmm. And that's how <laughs> that's how I bought my next semester. <laughs> so I skipped skipped uh yeah, skipped fall semester and was back in the spring. I finally got into a good housing situation. Um Bridget and our other roommate, we ended up losing that apartment because it once again was run by a slumlord. Um so yeah, we lost that one to mold and fleas. Uh, it was awful. It was unlivable uh, when we um, left. <laughs> but I finally was in a good housing situation and went back to school and continued. Um, was able to, I, I actually, because I've been taking six credit or six classes, I would have graduated a semester early but because I skipped a semester I ended up just graduating right on time Mm -hmm. so that was cool over over that period of time some of the other shitty things um that happened um that art school really didn't help with in terms of just you know making being there feasible like I I did it but like I shouldn't have had to have gone through what I went through to be there but what ended up happening that year at the end of that first semester, so I had been doing my research um, for what I wanted to do for that project um, and had my sample. You kind of had to do like a demonstration piece of what you were going to end up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had done all of that. How did my research and the beginnings of what was going to turn into my written essay um research essay and they um had approved i i already passed that proposal and it's finals week again and we um were in a critique and a student had their art displayed in another room so we left our stuff everybody left their belongings in that room and went to the next room over to go look at their piece we were in a building by the way that had like a key pass lock like you had to be a student or staff person with with a key lock to get into the building Mm -hmm. and while we're in critique in this other room somebody walks in and picks up my whole bag and because it had my laptop in it and they just pick up the whole bag and walk out with it just took the whole thing not only was my laptop in that bag, but all of my sketchbooks, um, my printmaking tools, my drawing tools, 
a lot of a lot of stuff and a lot of it was valuable only to me mm-hmm. um my anatomy notes because i was in an anatomy a very intensive anatomy class was in there mm-hmm. um and i hadn't taken that final yet and so i had to go to that final without any of my anatomy notes and that was and so the professor luckily that professor was like okay Normally, you're not, you're only allowed your notes, you're not allowed like a textbook or anything, but I'm gonna let you have, (laughs) I'm gonna let you have something because that is a brutal, a brutal exam to get through with nothing. Um, Yeah, oh, that's good. But I, I went to the school and I said, hey, my shit got stolen. You know, I can't afford to go buy another laptop right now that had all my stuff on it, like, what are you going to do to help me get it back? And they said, well, that's not our responsibility. <laughs> and I said, well, what about like security? You know, like I'd like to at least be able to like file a police report, you know, help me file. And they're like, well, we don't have like, so they had what appears to be security cameras at that school, but it wasn't, it was literally a block of wood with a black dot painted on it for a screen. And they would hang them in places to make it look like there were security cameras. <laughs> And they actually commissioned a student to make those. Oh my god! Um, but they they straight up said to me, "Well, our security is based on um, just like trust. Like we just trust that people are going to be good and not mm-hmm. do bad things. And when bad things happen, like that's on you. You shouldn't have left your bed. Like the whole class had left their stuff there." They said, well, this is your fault, not ours. We have no responsibility for this. And I was just like, you're not going to help me. Re- like, at the very least, like, this is, hun- this is, you know, between a laptop and all the other stuff in there, close to $1,000 worth of my life that I can't just go get back. And they said, well, it's not our problem. And it, okay, well, I guess I got to figure out how I'm going to get the stuff back or I can't get the stuff back there was nothing for the police report to go on so I just had to start over regaining those materials over the course of that winter break they ended up having an entire computer lab's worth of Macintosh desktops stolen because they did nothing to I was not the only student who had things stolen out of that building um, and a lot of what was stolen was actually equipment owned by the school that students had checked out to use, like cameras um, and other electronic equipment. And it got just whoever was doing the stealing, a student, staff person, who knows, would just walk in and just pick stuff up and walk out. And they did that with a lot of that little equipment and students bags things like that and then when they realized nobody was going to do anything about it they went in and they stole an entire computer lab's (laughs) worth of macintosh desktops and the school ended up shutting down campus for the rest of the winter break um when normally it was an open or i think they only shut down the computer labs but they they ended up having to shut that because they let it get so out of hand yeah um well it's not affecting us my, it's not costing us money so you know whatever it's yeah it's not our problem and like well it's now now it is your fucking problem because now 
it's become clear to whoever's doing this that you're not going to do anything about it. Um, so I felt very little sympathy for the school yeah. losing. <laughs> like, that's what you get. That's, that's fucking karma right there. Um, yeah, I just, it still blows my mind that that a school that was at that. So, so by the way, um, earlier I had mentioned that the tuition rate was locked in with wherever you started about a year into my um, enrollment there, they changed that policy. They literally changed the school policy to get rid of that. And so um, my tuition did go up. Um, it went up to 32 grand a year. And not only did mine go up, but everyone else who had been locked in at lower rates. So Bridget had been at 22,000 and hers jumped up 10,000 and she couldn't afford to go. And she got, she ended up getting kicked out because um, she also midway through the semester lost her financial aid. And so the school was like, well, you owe us um, the other half of this money now. And she's like, I can't pay that. That's, you know, that's like 16 grand. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's, I don't, I don't just have that in my pocket. And they said, well, you can't come here because you didn't pay your bill. And she went in to set up a payment plan. And they said, here's the payment plan option. She's like, all of these payment plan options are more money than I make in a month. Like your monthly payments are more than I actually make. And they said, well, then good luck in collections. It took her until like, in the last two years to finally get out of default on that because setting it up so that you have to pay more than you actually make in a month like you're never going to get that money you're never getting that money so why why even do it that way and it just isn't it just it was it fucked up her being able to go not only to that school but any school mm -hmm. really just and just it, just nonsense to me. I understand that they got to make their money, but the lack of sympathy and just yeah, not treating their students like humans. Um, as soon as they don't have whatever money is such capitalism like fuckery. And I'm sure that um, PNSA is not the only art school out there that um, treats it like that. Like, and they know that they have not gotten better. One of the reasons they upped our tuition was because they were renovating a new building to move into. And so for a lot of the students, um, at this point we were seniors, um, a bunch of us, uh, dropped out that final semester. Like they were that close to graduating and they had to drop out. So they couldn't afford, um, or they were in their final year and they couldn't afford the sudden jump in tuition. The graduation rate at that time was all, was only 31%, I think, of students who um, enrolled ever graduated from there. Um, so at an atrocious graduation rate. <laughs> God. We did it, the one, those of us who graduated that semester, we were pretty jaded, obviously, but- um, Yeah, I was gonna ask, next... how did it feel? Did you? 
graduation. I didn't even want to walk at graduation. I was just ready to go home. I was just done. But um, we knew that the next semester, um, they weren't even, like, they were moving into the new campus. They were working on getting it renovated and, or it might not have been the next um, year, might have been the year after that, but they had started, they had purchased um, an old post office building that had been vacant for years and they were renovating it for, um, to be the new campus. And when we asked some questions about it, um, cause at this point it's, it's art school and we are there to make a state, like a lot of us want to make statements about the shit going on in the world. And that we didn't hesitate to make artwork, um, very public art pieces asking questions like what the fuck is the school doing with our money? Because <laughs> Pacific Northwest College of Art is listed as a nonprofit. I'm not entirely sure which type of nonprofit. There's a whole bunch of different kinds of nonprofits, but they are listed as a nonprofit, which typically means there is supposed to be a degree of transparency in where their money, how their money is distributed, where it goes, what, you know, what comes in, what goes out. And there was no transparency. It just very, very much was suspicious to a lot of us we're like we're paying a lot of money and the facilities kind of suck the printmaking like the printmaking studio is great i can make amazing art in the printmaking studio but like the bathrooms are fucking falling apart the entire like animation program which was a fairly new program there at the time doesn't even have enough computers like i just there's a serious problem here there's not a security system or there's not security cameras. There's a security system. Like you didn't dare get locked in um, after that 1 a.m. campus closure because the moment you tried to leave, it would set off. You were locked in the building and it would set off the security alarm. But like there's no cameras to see who's stealing um, an entire computer lab's worth of Macintoshes like <laughs> just in the middle of the day. But we were like, where's the money going? And at this point, we were also in that professional practice class, uh, class I mentioned um, at the beginning of this long story. And it turns out what professional practices was teaching, it had kind of two parts to it. This was the class you took where at the end of it, the goal was you would propose what you were gonna make for your thesis. So this was the um, first semester of senior year. The second part of this was learning how to write grants to ask for money to make the art you wanted to make and writing um, entrances into art residencies. They would, that was all we would talked about or like, that's how they said we were going to make our living was begging for money, essentially. Not selling art. Talk a little bit about getting into galleries, but they straight up kind of told us it's unlikely you're going to get into a gallery. So don't depend on that. Instead, you should beg for money. <laughs> you should apply for grants and art residencies. And I'm like, well, that's not, that's not what I'm planning to do with my life. Like, so um, me and a, there was at least two other art students, possibly more in this class who had already made money off of their artwork, selling their, paintings or sculptures or um, whatever it was we were making. Um, 
I think the one person was making these fantastic teddy bears that were very like gothic horror and people were buying those up like crazy online. We said, well, wait a minute. I don't need to apply for grants or art residencies. People are willing to buy my stuff. What I want to know is how do I file my taxes as a self-employed freelance artist? How do I build a website? How do I basically be a professional artist? How do I market when I get done here? Right. All of these things that are not intuitive to me as a creative person, but that I need to know if I'm going to be a self-employed or freelance artist who makes a living off of what the things that I make. And they said, well, like nobody has any interest in learning that because we said you had all these speakers come in to tell talk to us about art residencies and grants and things but you haven't had anyone who's like an accountant or a tax professional come in and tell us what the fuck we're supposed to do with this and they said well nobody wants to learn that art students think that's boring well yeah we think it's boring but we need to know how to do it we're going to graduate in the next six months and go out there and we want to know how to do it why the fuck isn't that a part of this class? And they said, well, you know, art students don't have much interest in learning how to do that. They're, they think those speakers are boring, but also like, you're not going to make a living that way. And other students agreed with us. They said, yeah, I haven't made money on my artwork yet, but I'm kind of hoping that I know what to do when that time comes. And the professors straight up just acted like that was insane, that that was ridiculous. So there was just a lot of weird things regarding money in general. Like the school's not transparent how they use their money. Their expectation of how you're going to make money is very unrealistic and skewed and ignores that like there's people who want to buy artwork, (laughs) everyday (laughs) people, not rich collectors, not museums and gallery curators, but my mom and dad want to hang fucking painting in their bathroom or you know maybe a restaurant wants to hang artwork or uh maybe a public space wants a sculpture there's other there's a market out there that you yeah. can't just ignore it's unlimited art is like unlimited in what it can be and there's an unlimited there's just an infinite amount of things people like and want to buy so to tell your classroom full of people who are creative and able to make that stuff that there isn't a market for that and there's no reason to teach them how to take advantage of that market like you're not even teaching them how to be like an adult (laughs) it was was um very disappointing like i said especially because you realize they're not going to teach you this when you're in your final semesters like and so I just want anyone out there who's considering art school to keep that in mind I'm not saying don't go to art school but at the same time there's an awful lot that they didn't teach and that they have no desire for students to learn and you're going to give them a lot of money and they're not going to necessarily repay that with education or even basic human kindness, <laughs> which, like, I don't know, if you give someone a lot of money, the least they could do is treat you with some respect, because yeah. you're paying their bills. 
And not only that, but for us who were there that final year before they moved into their new campus, we really felt like we were paying for the next students more than we were paying for ourselves, that we were paying for facilities that we were never going to get to use ourselves. That, and we felt a little cheated by that. Not only that, but um, the when the new campus opened up, they promised that this was going to be an extension of the campus, that this was going to be expanding the campus, and that the other facilities were still going to be a part of campus and used and whatnot. And about partway through the summer, somebody was walking through and that all the buildings that we had been going to school in had already been demolished. And then when the students went to go to the new campus, it wasn't even complete. And they had to spend the first part of the semester wearing hard hats because it was not even safe to be in. And they were trying to teach classes in a literal construction zone while wearing hard hats. Um, and let me tell you, the rent increased dramatically also. Like if I thought the $800 to share a two bedroom with three other students, and I'm not talking 800 for the whole apartment, I'm talking 800 per person. Mm -hmm. um, if I thought that was outrageously expensive, the they were well over a thousand for the same the same shared apartment at the you know that following year after I left the last I looked at what their tuition was which was already probably a year or two ago I, I looked out of curiosity was already up to 45 um grand a year you mentioned their nonprofit status so I just like googled them really fast um yeah it's hard to say like there's nothing blatant like this is our goals as a nonprofit, which like is super sketch as a nonprofit. But the average cost before aid is fifty seven grand. Holy sweet fucking Jesus. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and the acceptance rate is still about the same. Uh or accept not sorry, the acceptance. Graduation rate is says forty seven percent. Or yeah. no, this says Okay, I don't understand these numbers. Some of these say 28 for first-time, full-time. Other full-times say 47%. But it's not good. And, and once, <laughs> once again, when the numbers are even confusing to look at, it's suspicious. Mm -hmm. What are you hiding? I guarantee you the, the dropout is, is all about money. Before the pandemic, there had been a lot of strikes. Um, and when I say strikes, I don't just mean like staff. I mean staff and students going on strike. Um, mm -hmm. Once again, regarding how money is used, but also just like really bad treatment of staff. Like, where's that 57 grand a month all these students are paying if it isn't to pay the people that are teaching them and if it's not improving their facilities? And it, we, where is it going? I don't regret that I went to art school. I know it sounds like I do and like I should regret it because it was a shithole. And I did have a, a lot of good experiences with certain professors. I made a lot of artwork and I got access to do amazing facilities that I miss. However, I made sacrifices that nobody should ever have to make for those experiences. And until there is 
giant change in our public school system, not, well, and that wasn't even a public school, but in our school system in general, our education system, what we think of as education and what we think students have to do in order to get that education, nobody should have to make those kinds of sacrifices. I'm just, I, I can't recommend that anybody go to art school. I can't recommend, and in fact, there's a lot of people, I just don't recommend they go to college, period. Like all of these academic stuff, um, it only matters while you're there. Once you've gone through it all, it stops mattering. A couple years after it's all over, nobody cares. Like, sure, maybe you have it on a resume. Like you can say like, oh yeah, I got my degree. You're just paying a lot of money for an experience. You know, and that's the end of it. Um, and you might, they might keep asking you for money later on because boy, PNCA sends me a lot of, boy, you should keep sending us some money. You graduated from here. You love this place, right? Better send us some money. And I'm like, fuck you. I paid you a lot of money and I'm not going to keep paying you money. Like I didn't fall in love with you at the end of that experience. Let me tell you, like, sorry, art school, but no. And, and honestly, and I going there made me the person I am today. It gave me a lot of experiences that made me grow up a lot and realize a lot. Um, I can see through bullshit very easily. Um, I can also bullshit very well because that's how you survive art school is learning how to bullshit. Um, that's really what they teach you. It's not how to make art, it's how to bullshit. And those are all skills I use in my current job, really. I mean, <laughs> and the experience of having to survive, like I feel like I can survive anything now because it was so hard to get through that. And I think there are other ways to go get experiences that develop you as a person. And I think it's okay to also wait to have those experiences. You do not need to, at 18, keep trudging down that path. You need to do what is right for you. It is a miracle that I got out with as little debt as I did. I just can't recommend anybody do that. <laughs> You've convinced and me not to go the one part that does break my heart is I don't really make art anymore. And part of it is because I was burned out from that experience, from dealing with shit critiques. Being in that environment was fantastic. But when it's over, it's over and you don't have that anymore. Um, and I have, you know, friends like my husband who wanted to go and didn't make it there, never got to go to art school, um, who makes way more artwork than I do. So that's something to keep in mind too, uh, that you might not go to art school and you may be a better artist for it, or you might go to art school and become less of an artist for it. Everyone's different, but you know, you don't, you just don't know how it's going to be while you're there and you don't know how you're going to be afterwards. Don't sacrifice everything to go do that. Um, and they'll let you um, they are not there to see you succeed. They are there to take your money and do God knows what with it because none of us know. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, you know, I'm sure there's people out here there who had a wonderful experience at art school. Um, I think they're probably the people who become professors um, <laughs> and stay there forever. 
And I really hope to see it change. I really hope that someday going to art school is not a sacrifice um, for people and that they can go and they can live the dream that I had. Uh, I think that's going to take a, not just an overhaul of, of Pacific Northwest College of Art. I think that would take an overhaul of this entire country's perspective on education. So let's get it together. Cancel student loan debt, number one fucking get it together yeah um well cc thanks for coming on oh it's so good um to bitch about <laughs> about art school it's 